The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Billing errors by two of the biggest energy providers have affected thousands of their customers. One provider has not asked for payment from around 11,000 people, leading ultimately to a bill shock for many. And another provider has admitted taking direct payments direct debit payments twice all of this taking place in a week when we find out that the price of electricity in Ireland is the highest in Europe according to some new research well joining me now to talk about all of this Charlie Weston personal finance editor with the Irish Independent and Moran Lynch energy economist with the ESRI good morning to you both and uh, first of all uh, Charlie tell us about <laughs> you know the two major errors that happened which is an incredible coincidence it is extraordinary, given this is their core work, you know, billing people, providing electricity and gas and sending out bills. Two of the biggest energy providers in the state, you're right, Pat. It's um, Electric Ireland, which is owned by ESB, which is ultimately owned by the taxpayer, and Borgosh Energy, uh, which would have something like 700,000 plus customers. Uh, Electric Ireland is about 1.1 million. So you're talking nearly 2 million customers there between those two. They have the lion's share of the market. They both have made billing errors in the last while. It took me a week to wriggle this one out of Electric Ireland, but it seems that um, a number of people haven't been billed for ages. In one case, uh, you know, uh, that a person I spoke to, he haven't got a bill for, for four months. So they're expecting a bumper bill. Uh, you know, I had a guy on to me this morning. He says he usually gets a bill every uh, two months. It's usually around 500 euros. But he got uh, an email from Electric Ireland to say, or a text rather to say they was going to get a bill for five thousand euros. Didn't recognise the text, and lo and behold, uh, he 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 rang them up and they couldn't tell him what what was going on. They couldn't couldn't view his bill. Apparently, he talked to five different agents, got five versions of the excuses. He says it's a total shambles, and he's not sure if he's due this bill or not. Uh, no. Now, now, how many bills uh, did they omit in his case? Obviously, there's an accumulation of uh, two monthly bills uh, which they didn't issue to him and didn't direct debit him. So, uh, obviously, energy prices have gone up. So, if he normally paid 500, uh, he might be paying a lot more in the new regime we have of high energy prices. So, how many bills did they miss? I'm not sure in that case, Pat. Um, it was an early morning email and I didn't get back to the guy. But um, it may be an issue around a, 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 um, a the, the meter reading, you know, an estimate. That's often the case. But you're absolutely right. Bills have gone through the roof. We've had a number of increases the last, you know, it's only October since we had increases. So there was a succession of double-digit increases. Mm. Energy prices have doubled for people. Uh, so, you know, the last thing people need at this time is to be uh, is for a delay in bills. And so instead of yeah. getting one bill, they get billed on the double and their mega bills, even if they only got the one bill, but they get two mega bills at the same time. Yeah. Seems very, very unreasonable. Okay. Now the regulators so, so looking into this. What, uh, first of all, is Electric Ireland saying about why they didn't bill people? Well, it, it's, apparently it's a complicated thing for people who are coming out of a one-year deal where they had a discount. They probably had a high enough discount. But as you know, the discounts have just disappeared hugely. And they were going to roll them into a new discount, but they made a mistake in how they calculated that. So until they got that sorted out, they decided to hold back and sending out the bills. Now, they haven't told people. That's the problem here. You know, you tell people. And it took me a week of asking them to find out what was going on. Uh, you know, I started asking them last week. I only got a statement from them earlier this week. And only 
last night at about six o'clock did they come come back to me with the number and and, and try and be more spe- and, and we're a lot more specific about what happened. But yeah. but I, I mean the, the situation here, Charlie. Charlie, just to clarify, they called a halt to the billing of people while they sorted out the discount. And having sorted out the discount, we presume they did, because that would seem to me a few people sitting around a table and making a decision on this, whether it's in the marketing department or the production department, who knows. Anyway, they make a decision and then they should, you know, apply that right across the board. It would seem to be a relatively simple uh, computation to do. And then they give the bank the go. And I mean, the bills might have been delayed by a day or two, but it shouldn't be any more than that. And this is, you know, this is what they do on a day-to-day basis. This is their job. This is, this is standard stuff for them. You know, why is this such a mess? Why are they not telling people? Why does it take me a week of questioning them to find out what happened? I mean, it's extraordinary. So, you know, I think it's up to the regulator now to find out what went wrong here. And uh, I asked the regulator as well, well, look, at, you know, are you going to force them to give discounts, to give these people money off? And all they would say was, look, they, they, they won't, you know, obviously, if this is found to be from the regulator's probe to have been a mess, that's a breach of the service level agreement that Electric Ireland have with the regulator. Um, but the, the regulator will only say that people won't be penalised, Pat, that, the, you know, that the, the, they'll have to work out some kind of a payment arrangement. But it means just people will still have to pay it. It's probably going to take a bit of pressure here from politicians and the regulator and force them into offering those people some sort of a decent discount. Mm. It's, it's a mistake of Electric Ireland's making. It's, it's about 11,000 people. I mean, you know, it, the timing could not be worse. Now, I know a lot of these people will get the €200 Euro credit that, that the last one is coming around now. Doesn't make it any easier if you're, if, sure. you know, because the early months of this year was still dark. Yeah, I mean, what, what you tend to do, big bills anyway, past You trust that your direct debits go through. You look at your balance on the bill. You may not forensically analyze your bank statement when it comes in or when you go online to to view it. You look at your credit and you say, well, yes, I can afford to buy that uh, new washing machine that is so badly needed, or whatever it might be. And then, lo and behold, you get whacked by this uh, enormous bill from Electric Ireland. Now, what about the other one? Board gosh, Aaron, taking the money twice? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean they had a ridiculous. Now, they're, blame, they're blaming AIP. Uh, you know, it seems that for a small number of customers, they're saying, you know, but it's 11,500 as far as I know. Um, it's 1.6% of their customer base, which is over 700,000 people. It seems as if they went into people's bank accounts twice and took... To, to, took a, de- a direct debit each time. So that the, the, instead of taking the payment once from you, know, from you via a direct debit, they took it twice. Now, they seem to have realised this fairly quickly and and said, look, they're on top of it. They're reversing these payments, uh, the, you know, the, 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 this double direct debit payment and that they're going to you know send the money back to people. And anybody who has a problem here now needs to get on to them. There's an email went out to people mm. explaining, you know, any issues you have. You need to get on yeah. to their customer services people. because yeah. Are they blaming the bank? Are they blaming the bank or are they blaming their own IT? No, AIB is specifically mentioned in the, in the email that they send out to people apologising for this. Uh, you know, we we were informed on this issue this morning and have been working with AIB to reverse the payment for affected customers as quickly as possible. So that looks to me like, you know, they're blaming AIB. Um, and they're saying, get on to them straight away, get on to their uh, customer service people. It affects businesses as well. And if you're overdrawn, I'd, I'd be charging that back to 
to board gosh you know i mean if 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 you get hit for uh you know being overdrawn and 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 and, and there's a, there's always a fee for that so yeah, because that's, that's or, or if, for example, paper. you go in and you are about to pay for your groceries with your debit card, which is now has no money in it because they've taken the money twice and you're embarrassed at the till. No money in exactly. your account. What then? Yeah. What apology is going to be forthcoming from from uh, Board Gosh Aaron for that? Well, I only got word of this very late last night, but I need to start questioning the regulator about that one. I hadn't got to the regulator on that one because I'd only learned of it later on. But, you know, I think something needs to be done here. You're right, Pat. These are bumper bills anyway, and a double one would probably wipe out a lot of people if they got, you know, a huge bill charged to them twice. So, you know, some arrangement needs to be made here now for, for, for this stuff to be rectified. It would not be unreasonable for payments to be made to these people. After all, um, I'm reporting today as well that SSE Electricity is giving back some money to its customers. You know, at the very least, Electric Ireland and Borgash should be paying uh, cash back to the customers affected by these mistakes. They're not of the mm. customers making. The customers are suffering at a time of extremely high energy yeah. uh, well, prices. I, I'll pass on one piece of wisdom from a listener, uh, Charlie, before I let you go. Uh, I chased Electric Ireland for 23 months for a bill, constantly onto them as to uh, why I didn't have a bill. I didn't want to get a huge one at the end. When I finally got round to getting it sorted, I only had to pay €700. Euro. They couldn't charge me for the whole period because they hadn't sent me bills and some statute of limitations had passed for chasing the money past a certain date. Don't know anything about that, but it's it might be something that you could chase up. Charlie, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Personal Finance Editor with the Irish Independent. Now, just uh, looking at those figures uh, for Europe, the EU average per kilowatt hour 28.3, and we're up there uh, almost double that. Why? UK now is up there as well, but we're in the same energy kind of arrangement with them, cross-border and all the rest of it. But uh, to find out why we pay so much for energy in Ireland, I'm joined by Murren Lynch, energy economist with the SRI. Murren, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm very well. Can you explain the disparity in energy prices per kilowatt hour all across Europe? Because it looks like we're being overcharged. Yeah, our prices are high relative to the rest of Europe, and they have been for a long time. So these this really predates Ukraine. It seems that for some reason there's something structural about the Irish market that makes our prices higher than than European average. Now we're doing a lot of research into why this is. It's ongoing, um, and the answer is we still don't know for sure. But there are lots of little things that seem to be feeding in. Now some of them we can't do anything about. We can't do anything about the fact that we're an island. We can't do anything about the fact that we have limited opportunities to trade with other countries and to avail of efficiencies there. And we also can't really do anything about the fact that we have such a dispersed population. And that means that we have extra costs in building out our network that other countries wouldn't necessarily have. We have a lot of one-off housing. They all require a grid connection. We all have to pay for that. But there are some other things that do seem to be driving our prices as well. So something like the fact that we have so much of our electricity generation from gas, so fossil fuels in general and gas in particular, that is putting upward pressure on our prices. We've seen more and more of our generation come from gas recently. And that means that when the price of gas goes up, we're very exposed here in this country. We don't have things like nuclear. We don't have lots of coal that other countries have. And that means when gas prices go up, electricity prices go up too. Um, but you're saying it's not transparent. I mean, it would seem to me not to be on be beyond the energy suppliers to break down their price per kilowatt hour. If it's 49 cent, 
as distinct from nine cent in Hungary, for example, that they could say, well, 10 cent goes here and five cent goes there and distribution costs there, another 15 cent or whatever. Is there no transparency in that regard? So we Eurostat does give the breakdown of the different charges. So some of them, we know what the suppliers are charged by, for example, Airgrid and ESB networks. So we know what they have to pay to the network companies. But what we don't know is how do they recoup that from customers? Do So most suppliers have a unit charge and they also have a fixed charge. And it's really up to them how they set that. So there is a lack of transparency there. One research question would be, is there a case for maybe regulating that, kind of regulating how they decide to pass on the fixed and the variable costs to consumers? So if you think about where we've gone with telecommunications, we used to pay for every single text message. Now most people just pay a monthly flat rate and you get as much data as you want and as many minutes as you want out of that, etc. So there's kind of arguments about if a supply company were to do that, would that be good for consumers? Would it be bad for consumers? Is there anything we can do about it? But there's also a lack of transparency on the wholesale market. It's really difficult to kind of regulate. If someone was being anti-competitive, it's not necessarily the case that we would catch that straight away. And some research myself and colleagues have done shows that when you do have somebody in a monopoly position who's able to exploit it, it has a massive impact on bills. Now, I'm not saying that there's anyone in the Irish market doing that. But what I am saying is that if someone were to do that, it would really push up prices in a way that there's really not much we can do about it as consumers. Now, there is the energy auction, and we know that that pushes up prices because the price that the grid has to pay for the last kilowatt is the price that everybody gets, irrespective of how cheaply they might have initially sold it to the grid. So that is true on the wholesale side, for sure. However, on the retail side, I'm not sure that has such a big difference. The reason we do that on the wholesale side is to make sure that we're getting kind of the cheapest dispatch at every minute so that we're not overpaying on the whole side minute by minute by minute. But the way that But if they're stuck and they, the they are really screaming for more power, the person who's supplying that power, normally in an emergency, they get top dollar, but because they get top dollar, everybody else gets top dollar too. They do, but only for one hour. And they've probably already sold ahead at a different price. So the way those high prices come through to our bills really depends on whether or not the suppliers are able to buy and sell electricity ahead of time. And the question is whether or not they can do that. And I think they probably can't, not to the extent that we'd like them to. Mm -hmm. So what we need is we want suppliers to be able to buy their electricity in advance, a good bit in advance at a sustainable price. And then if something goes crazy on the wholesale market at four o'clock on a Tuesday because the interconnector tripped, that's okay. We can live with that because we've baked in the lower prices ahead of time. The question is, when are we going to see those lower prices that they should be baking in ahead of time feeding through to our bills? And that's an open question Mm. right now. Now, it seems maybe that they're not particularly bothered. I mean, if the poor consumer who's at their mercy because you can't live without electricity, if the consumer is forced to pony up anyway, why should they try to be nimble? Why should they try to, uh, to bring the price down? I mean, it's not a cartel, but the prices are remarkably similar. It's not a cartel. However, as long as consumers don't switch companies, then they have what we call monopoly power. Mm. 
So as long as consumers stick with the supplier that they've always been with, then that supplier knows I can do not whatever I like to prices, but I can certainly have prices higher than they need to be. And I know that a decent chunk of my consumers aren't going to go anywhere. So I'm not saying that this is consumers' fault. It's not at all. But there is something we can do about it, which is quite simply, if you have been with your supplier for more than a year, go and switch to a cheaper plan if you can find one. That is just something that we should all be doing just like we do with our car insurance and our health insurance and all the rest of it and that means that right now we'll save on our bills but it also means that suppliers will have to become more nimble they will have to pass on those reductions in prices faster because if they don't they're going to lose customers so it's down to um, the, the punters themselves to be proactive in this is there nothing government can do because for example if uh, you are renewing your health insurance policy with VHI, with the Irish Life, whoever it might be, um, you can opt for one of their corporate plans. You don't have to go for one of their ordinary retail plans. You can say, well, what is the cheapest plan in the market? Now, I don't know what these companies are selling to the corporates for uh, at the price. Uh, you know, are they, at the corporates, the big companies, are they getting far cheaper electricity than we're getting? Um, I wouldn't say so. Um a really large company maybe has kind of specific contracts with generation companies directly. Um, but trust me, Pat, neither you nor I want to get into trading on the wholesale market. Um, and then for commercial companies, the, their bills work pretty much like residential consumers. So I don't think there's a huge amount that government could do there. But one thing that really could make a difference is if we were to improve and speed up our planning system. Um, there are an awful lot of projects, renewable projects and conventional electricity generation projects that are just taking far too long and costing far too much to get over the line. And we've done some analysis in the Institute to say, okay, delays in the planning system, does it have a material impact on power system outcomes or not? And surprisingly, it does. If we were able to speed up, if onboard Panola, for example, was able to um, come to a decision on a planning application within the 18 weeks that they themselves have targeted, then that would actually have an impact on getting these renewable projects onto the grid, which in turn would bring prices down. And then there's also the fact that if you want to say you want to build a wind farm, first you need planning permission, and that can take a year. Um, it takes way longer than it should. And only then can you apply for a grid connection. And then you have to wait for your grid connection. And only then can you apply to enter into the auction to sell through a renewable subsidy contract so there are all of these hurdles and it all adds up it takes a very long time and in the meantime it's pushing up bills for consumers so if we were able to speed that process up a bit that would actually have an impact on bills in summary there's no simple answer to this question which i've been struggling to get an answer to for quite some time but you know you expect that if there are differences in the uh, retail price of energy to consumers right across europe that those differences would be typical of the difference you might see in other commodities like the price of butter or bread or whatever it might be, depending on circumstances. You might see variations 15 20%. But to be paying five times more than they're paying in Hungary, I'm afraid it still baffles me. The difference between electricity and, say, butter is it's very difficult and very expensive to store electricity. So if there was one country in Europe that could produce really delicious, super cheap butter, they would just start producing all the butter and send it everywhere else. The same cannot be said for electricity. 
So the likes of Switzerland has a massive hydro resource because they're a very mountainous country. They get to tap that resource, they get cheap electricity, and they can't just package that electricity up and sell it to Ireland. Over here in Ireland, we have a very limited hydro resource. We've tapped out everything we can, but we're stuck burning gas. And as long as we're stuck burning gas, Pat, there's not really much we can do about our electricity bills other than the things we've talked about, like trying to encourage more competition, trying to encourage people to switch, trying to speed up the planning system, those kind of things. So finally, is the solution to this problem more interconnection if the UK is our only customer that we can kind of balance things with? Uh, we will have an interconnector to France. It'll be of limited capacity. But do we need more interconnection so we can talk to the hydro people in Switzerland and they can pump it through the European grid uh, to us and we'll buy it from them? So more interconnection certainly helps. It does give us more opportunities to buy cheaper power from abroad and it gives us more opportunities to sell our excess wind power abroad when we have excess. However, I am a little bit concerned at the extent to which people seem to think interconnection can solve all of our problems. We're still an island. We're still an isolated power system. We still have to balance our supply and our demand in real time. And that comes with real technical challenges. So I would be surprised if interconnection manages to magic away all of the challenges for a small isolated system like Ireland. You have an awful lot more flexibility if you're something like Germany or Denmark and you're connected in a flexible way to lots of power systems. But for Ireland, we're always going to have to balance our own books on the energy side, I'm afraid. We're a Lynch, energy economist with the ESRI. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.